0: Restaurant unstoppable episode 647
1: with chef ben poremba density of business is key to what i'm doing so i'm not just gonna open one restaurant i'm gonna open one two three four and i did i opened four businesses in 18 months in the same corner giving people more than one reason to show up
0: are you ready for it factors success stories It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Stoppable. Here is a statistic for you. Bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365. A value of $5,000. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Ben Paremba. Ben, are you feeling
1: unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable. Yes. Today and every day.
0: Yes, sir. That is what we like to hear. So Israeli native Ben Paremba moved to St. Louis to earn a BA in uh, philosophy from the University of Missouri. He also attended the University of Gastronomic Studies in uh, Parma, Italy. Today, Paramba is the chef owner of Benjolina Hospitality Group, the St. Louis based award winning operator of Nixta and Bar Limon Elia Olio. Uh, say this for me. I'm going to destroy it. La Patisserie Chiquette. <laughs> La Patisserie Chouquette in the Benevolent King Paremba is a three-times James Beard Award semifinalist in the category of Best Chef Midwest. And he continues to take St. Louis by storm. I cannot wait to dive into your story to find out who you are and how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a, su- a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us?
1: Well, our mantra for, the, uh, for our restaurant group is... Uh, um, love of food f- uh, food of love for the love of food
0: food of love for the love of food, dive into that. How does that resonate with you uh,
1: it's it, there 's nothing profound about this. I mean, we do what we do because we choose to do it because we love doing it, uh, and if we didn 't love doing it, we wouldn 't be doing it so yeah. um, I think that 's important to remind ourselves that I remind myself that every day, particularly uh since this industry is uh, is exhausting right you work long hours. Uh, you constantly uh, in mode of you know trying to satisfy people. Uh, hospitality is uh, it takes a toll, right? So if you don't love it, don't do it.
0: Mm, I love it. Uh, and you mentioned—I I think I picked up on my research trying to learn more about you—that you believe that you know it came out in your your opening quote that you got to serve food with love. Um, how do you take that same level of love that you'd be serving, say, your mother or your brother, or family and friends in your home? How do you take that level of love and? transfer that level, that same intensity of cooking to somebody that's a complete stranger.
1: So you, you, you nailed it. This is really um, the impetus to everything I do. Um, and maybe one of the only restaurant tours, maybe in St. Louis, maybe in, in the United States, that attempted to open restaurant based on hospitality ideas of, um, of serving people at my own home. I constantly say this to people, you know, you come to dinner at my restaurant, particularly my last restaurant, the Benevolent King, uh, and the idea is that it's ind- indistinguishable from me cooking you food at my own home, uh, complete with my mother showing up twice or three times a week with her cookies and, uh, you know, tasting things around and says, this is not good, this is good, this is not good, don't serve that. Um, so yeah, I take the idea of hospitality, uh literally of serving people at your own home, uh very very seriously and I and I attempt to take that uh and uh and make that the motivation and the inspiration for our for our restaurants uh how do
0: you keep that motivation high and that standard of delivering food with love high because it's one thing to say and this is this is what i believe but how do you walk the walk how do you make sure you show up every day and not just you but your team carries those same values how do you do that
1: well um i mean i think we 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 talk a lot about the idea that um our guests uh that we are our own guests that when when we come to a restaurant, we want to make sure that we are treated this way, that our food is cooked with this uh, uh, this way, to this standard, at this level. Uh, and I constantly tell tell our guys, you know, think of yourself, think that think of the person that you're serving as your own mother, or as mm. your own sister, or as your own boyfriend, as your own uh, whatever. Um, what are what are the choices you're gonna make? when you do that and what are you, aren't you going to do? Mm. Uh, you're going to clean after them. You're going to make sure that they're taken care of. If they don't like something, you're going to make sure that it comes back to the kitchen. You're going to do your best because it's your mom or, or or brother or boyfriend sitting across from you and um, and that's how you're going to try to treat them. So it. don't forget that. Like th- That's very important. I mean, again, we fail, uh, but we learn from our failures and um, – and we try harder, yeah. right?
0: And so what I'm pulling from you um, is how do you keep showing up like that? How do you ha- keep that level, maintain that high level of love? And it sounds like that constant reminder. Just con- like Danny Meyer says, right? Constant gentle pressure. Knowing that you always got to remind people. And that, that's what I'm picking up from you. Is that accurate? Uh,
1: yes. For me, I love meeting people. I think that restaurants uh, are great social hubs, right? Uh, people show up uh, of all ages, of all cultures, uh, and uh i have i 've made friends i 've made uh i 've made you know, i 've had uh incredible inspirations uh from the from my guests uh and so I show up with the idea of like i 'm traveling i 'm going somewhere even though it 's my own restaurant i sit every single day uh i 'm walking in the door and i 'm like i may meet somebody like cool today yeah. and i may I'm, you know and that 's what we tell we tell our guys like you can you never know who 's coming in you know yeah. and um uh, if you're interested in poetry, you might have a world-renowned poet sitting across from you. Uh, you know, not that long ago, we had Gary Kasparov coming to yeah. our restaurant. Or- I mean, Gary Kasparov, the chess <laughs> champion. Of the- I mean, you know That's how crazy. cool that is? Well, it's awesome, too. And this comes up a lot in the
0: show. Who might be coming in that door? It might be your future investor, right? You never know who your future investor is going to be. hundred percent. So you you got to treat everybody like- A hundred percent. Love it. Great way to get this thing started. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? When did you know- this was going to be your path, that this was going to be what you do for the rest of your life. So you
1: know, um, I, you you asked me earlier to talk about mentors and mentorship, and and I think that my mother is probably the biggest inspiration on in what I do professionally, um, even though she constantly needs remind you know reminding of that. <laughs> but uh, my mom was uh, an incredible, an incredibly gifted cook. Um, with a lot of vision early on, uh, owned several food-related businesses: a catering company, a crepe company, a small restaurant. Um. She was an educator too. That I think What's that?
0: Wasn't she an educator She's, as well? Yes,
1: yeah, she, she educated, um, and she had some incredible, incredible avant-garde idea for her time uh, that really she couldn't she couldn't implement. Right? She was a woman. This was the eighties. She didn't have the kind of entrepreneurial, you know, fire behind her. Um, And so a lot of what I'm doing is implementing, I think, her early vision. Um, And then that's mixed in with my own kind of ideas. But um, she really taught me how to cook. Uh, She taught me how to take care of people. Uh, A simple dinner party at our house always involved, you know, extra everything like – we you know she made up the tables even if it's just for a neighbors walking in the door it was always done over the top you know table setting mm-hmm. and everything had to you know and, and 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 i soaked it all in right um you know she collected plates and beautiful silverware uh and then we when we moved here uh in my in my high school years when we moved to the states uh she dragged me to uh, uh state sales and garage sales and we'd buy all these cool things and uh, and I still do this for the restaurants. I mean if you've seen my storage, if you've seen our our you know uh, the, the the amount of dishes and what some of my people say unnecessary junk uh, that we have, it's pretty incredible
0: so what I'm picking up from you you said that you, you pulled from your mother um how to treat people, how to care for people, and a couple of layers beyond that I kind of heard like just going over the top right yeah, and then I heard with like the attention to detail with the plates right looking at the little things so she taught you you know actually give me a picture give me an example of what over the top looks like and how
1: how did she really teach you how to take care of people um so i'll just give you a a very small example um i uh i don't remember a lot from my childhood but this is something that i remember vividly so i was uh playing i was a soccer player and um we had i mean i'm talking about i'm 11 12 years old and uh we invited a team for what would be like uh cake on, after a game on Saturday. You know, typically, uh, most mothers would probably buy a cake, or if they made it, they'll cut it up, they'll put it on the table. Uh, Not Rachel. Um, those kids came into our house, uh, and we had this little porch, and I mean to tell you, if there weren't like 15 different kinds of sweets on the table, oh, 100 different kinds of cookies, and uh, an incredible fruit salad, and and she wasn't just putting paper plates out, she was putting like cool, cool, yeah. you know, cool stuff. Uh, her limage, you know, I'm like, it's for 12 year old kids. How does this make 12 year old kids feel when you go to the 16? Oh, they felt so special. Right? You have no idea. Uh, like, like, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I mean. You can ask my my earliest, my earliest friends from middle school and stuff like the sandwiches my mom would send me to school with. I mean it was unbelievable. <laughs> I love it, so you said that you're trying to execute her vision
0: um get clear on what that vision was, what she had for vision then how you're trying to execute that now
1: so I'll tell you when we opened up olio uh it was to me it was very very special uh not only because it was my own it was because um. We didn't follow any conventional restaurant rules. Uh, and if you walk it, you understand what I meant by it. We didn't try to maximize the seating. We didn't uh, have like a full fledged kitchen. Uh, all of our wear was completely mismatched. Um, we followed, actually, actually, sometimes when we had, you know, there was a rule in front of us, we broke it and said, no, we're going to do it differently. And this was her ideas, Uh, some of her ideas of like giving people the experience that they're not going to a restaurant, they're going to someone's house. Mm. So audio is jam-packed with personal stuff, Uh, uh, things that mean things to me. Like I still have my grandmother's tea, Mm. Moroccan teacups behind the bar. Uh, Just little stuff that I collect, you know uh it, and and we've got it from from a lot of guests that the experience is unique that it's different yeah. so that was one thing um one of the other things i would tell you at all of our restaurant is that we're very flavor driven um you know and i myself have failed at those things sometimes but you know in the days of you know food porn and instagram and um Yes, our food is beautiful. I can make anything look beautiful. And, and, and you know, it's sometimes we, we're trying to be relevant and we would follow a trend. But at the end of the day, I tell all my cooks that the most important thing about anything is the fact that it tastes good. But more than just tastes good, tastes memorable. And we try to make sure that, you know, it's always flavor forward. Uh, that it punches people with, with flavor. Not just, oh, it's there and it's nice. That people stop. I can attest. I can attest.
0: I had the egg salad downstairs before we uh, came up here to record, and man, it's unique. It's 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 it like oh, that's crazy out.
1: stuff. So my mother is from Morocco. Okay, okay? I was born in Israel, I raised and born in Israel. My mother's from Morocco. My father was born uh, right after the Holocaust in Germany. My grandmother was a German woman, uh, a Jewish German Holocaust survivor uh she couldn't she couldn't cook for shit i mean she could not cook okay. but she did do one thing well on friday afternoon she made chopped liver Ooh. and that was delicious and uh her recipe for chopped liver was frying a bunch of chicken livers and frying a mountain of onions and then she would um, take hard boiled eggs and uh she would run all of it through a hand held uh, meat grinder, like one of those things that latches onto so the a table. So liver,
0: onions, and hard-boiled eggs.
1: All run through a meat grinder. I'm doing this. <laughs> so as children, we could not stand the liver part of it. So my grandmother would take the hard-boiled eggs okay. and the caramelized onion, and she would grind them through the meat grinder and add a little mayonnaise, maybe a little mustard, and she would call it chopped liver without the liver. And I love that stuff so much. And uh, when I opened up Olio, you know this hip, cool wine bar slash Mediterranean restaurant, I'm like, I'm gonna put this egg salad on the menu. And it wasn't. It went on the menu. Nobody ordered it first two weeks, three weeks. Nobody. So I told my cooks or the servers start pushing, gifting it, yeah, just yeah. pushing it out, just give it to people. Anybody that comes in, put it on a piece of uh, piece of toast. Uh, we finished it with a little bit of orange. I mean, uh, lemon zest and uh, chives, so it looks nice. It's fresh. It's mm. clean. It's almost like mousse, ethereal kind of texture, and uh, people started liking it, and then the next thing I did was um, I decided to call it Famous, and I put Famous, and I underlined Famous on the menu, and before we know it, people start ordering it. Word gets out. People come for it. Uh, today, we, I mean, if I told you that we make about uh, what, 200, we're up to about 300 pounds of egg salad wow. a week. But I, mean, the, the, I think the big lessons I'm pulling from this is it's not enough
0: to just put egg salad on the menu, right? You've got to tell the story behind it. Absolutely. And that makes it special. Like that, just now, like my mouth is watering. I, have ha- I I, went to go taste that egg salad just to see what it tasted like, and I ate half the, the container, and I want to go downstairs and but, finish but it. But I want to say right something now, so else
1: about like, that egg salad that's important to me. Uh, and it also captures what food and restaurant supposed to do. So my father wasn't able. My father was ill at the time when we opened earlier. He wasn't able to attend the opening. He came in about three or four months later uh, to visit and to see what what we've created. And he sat down and he was served the egg salad. And I was probably upstairs in the kitchen or doing something. And one of the server comes up to the kitchen and goes, "Hey man, um, your dad is crying like he's bawling." And I'm like, I, woke, I go downstairs, what are, what are you talking about? And, and I look at my dad, I goes, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, why, why are you crying in front of all And he, he looked at me, he said, I never thought I was going to have that flavor again in my mouth. Oh, man, that's He special. took me right back to my mother. That's awesome. Uh, and, you know, I always say that restaurants are supposed to do one or two things. They're supposed to give you an experience so special that it takes you, transports you to somewhere that you've been, or to take you to a place that you've never been, like a new world. So, like the greatest, like uh, Alenia in Chicago. I, when I had that, I'm like, I've never been here. It's like going to the moon, right? It, yeah. This is amazing. Uh, but at the same time, going and having like good fried chicken is like, oh man, I just remember like, those. That's what restaurants are supposed to do. They're little escapes, right? Um, they're supposed to be a place where you come in and you you're able to just leave some th- stuff behind and enjoy. Yeah. Um, And if restaurants don't do that, they're not doing their job. Yeah, I think the other thing I pull from that story, too, is just the power. If you want to push
0: something, if you think you have something truly special and it doesn't seem special, gift it. Right, Get it in front of people and really put the emphasis on that thing. Uh, And that's added value, too. People love handouts, right? Um, Okay, so let's get back to kind of your timeline. We've got some great value from that story. Thank you for going into that. Uh, But when did you know that you were going to actually like commit your life to this? Cause you went to school for philosophy. Right. This, so you maybe had a different path early on. When did you get back on this track?
1: You know, uh, when I was in college, I was a nanny. Okay. Um, three girls, um, and, uh, their father, uh, this was an incredible palatial mansion here in St. Louis. Uh, both parents were physicians. The father was a true bon vivant, had an incredible kitchen. Um, had an incredible wine cellar, and uh, one day he asked me to cook for him, and I did for dinner. And he came back. He goes, "Man, this was unbelievable!" And uh, how do you know how to cook like that? I am ah, just I cook. You know, I cooked with my mother. I I traveled as as a high school student. My mom would send me places and um and cook with professionals. And he said, "You know what? He just I'll pay you extra to just cook for me every day." <laughs> Here you go. And uh, he had an incredible cookbook library too. And that's the first time that I've ever seen Charlie Trotter cookbooks, and that really intrigued me.
0: So you're in college at this time. I'm in college, 18, 19 years old. Yeah,
1: nineteen years yeah. old, nineteen, twenty years old, and uh, uh, I'm like, the, 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 I got the bug. I want. That's what I want to do. I enjoy it. Um, I went to Italy uh, to to pursue a master's degree in food related uh, um, subject. You know, um, I still had that. Uh, Sort of abiding uh, passion for for the written word for philosophy for uh so philosophy
0: w- under the vertical the specialty or, or specializing in food philosophy
1: exactly, so this program this is a slow food sponsored program, and I felt like they 're taking food the subject of food and 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 really treating it like a like a as an academic subject matter you know, and that was important and i 'm like I can combine both my passions for this. Uh, you know and uh, and it really gained, gained, you know I gained a, an incredible appreciation for Italian food culture uh, for food culture in general and um, and yeah so so how did that culture these lessons on
0: culture and I think we take food for granted sometimes we forget that food literally formed and molded who we are today. Uh, you, you make reference um, that it's in every celebration. There's a there's almost a, everything that we celebrate, there's a, a food associated with that, right? Yeah. Not to mention even going further back than that, like our ability to cook is how we develop these incredible minds, right? And we once we learn how to cook, it literally transformed who we are as species.
1: So my, my great professor in Italy, uh, a gentleman by the name of Alberto Capatti, who's a very, he's in a he's household name in Italy, he's a medieval historian, He appears on TV shows, but uh, he really thinks that uh, what humans had done with food, manipulating it, cooking it, uh, serving it, um, is really the most human things human could have done, right? (laughs) Uh, I mean, think about it. That's what we do. Yeah. uh, You know, in what, uh, that's the, the, the intellectual capacity of taking an egg and turning it into a cake. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I mean, just think, just. Just All the, the
0: steps and the, the, the trial steps, and error and that like, had
1: go, we had to go through to get Where, to at what point did some human thought that they can grind wheat into flour and take egg from a chicken and combine the two and make a goddamn cake? <laughs> like, that to me is incredible, right? That just tells me that it's, it's, a, it's as great a creation as anything humans have done, Um I mean, seriously, think about that. Yeah. So,
0: this intimacy that you have with the history of food and food philosophy—do you think that's influenced hundred uh, percent?
1: How? Oh man! I mean, everything at my restaurants has a reference point. Okay. Everything okay. has a reference point. The names, the, uh, the, the, the 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 you know the concepts, uh, the the silverware. Everything in the restaurant has some kind of a reference point. I'll tell you what. I failed at one restaurant I opened recently. I closed it recently. It was supposed to be my my magnum opus of Italian cooking. I opened a restaurant called Parigi, and it was going to be a uh, an homage to uh, Marcello Mastroianni, who's a great Italian actor. If you watched uh, Italian uh, film from the fifties on, and this dude, um, I mean, was kind of like uh, like, like Modern day uh, Brad Pitt. I don't know, not Brad Pitt, but uh, somebody else, some okay. famous actor, whatever. Good looking, dating the hottest chick around, Catherine Deneuve, the French actress. Uh, they were such a power couple. He was incredibly talented. Always, were, you know, all of his mannerisms were so cool. But anyway, he was living in Paris, wanted to open a restaurant, and I wanted to open that restaurant that he never did. So I called it Parigi, which means Paris in Italian, and. He was famous for driving his Ferrari that had a very special orange uh, interior. Well, what do you think I used for my banquettes?
0: Orange. No, (laughs) the
1: same exact fabric. Oh, wow. My harem fabric. This exact same—I mean—cost me an arm and a leg, but that's a reference point. That's like I don't do anything that's just arbitrary when it comes to the restaurant. Do you
0: know what's happening, like on a like a a deeper level, like in the human mind when you use reference points, like how that makes it sticky? Like, do do you know the, the science behind that? I'm just curious. I don't. I mean, I would love to look into that. That would be a great yeah. topic, a deep dive conversation. But going back to your story, I mean, you had this influence. You, you started being a personal cook, essentially, and that, trans, that, that led you into catering, right, if I remember yeah, the story yeah, right? Yeah. So you're in college. You have a catering business. So what kind of business are you doing while you're oh in college? Oh, my God.
1: You have no idea. So l- let me just tell you, this, this school that the girls I dated went to, it was like a, uh, a private school. And here's all the you know rich mothers in a in a suburb of of St Louis, and here is Ben and all of a sudden, all this mom goes, "Hey, we hear that you're a great cook. Could you do this for me? Could you do a dinner party here, a dinner party there and I did and i I was busy and I gotta tell you to this day, some of my best networking happened then we're talking twenty twenty two years ago when I was doing simple dinner parties to these Wealthy, you know, highfalutin uh, mothers—they uh, still come to the restaurant. Um, so it just goes to show, you know, things travel with you. I mean, you you, you meet people at places that you never uh, think about. What's there's still like some of my core, very core, and of course, the Jewish thing happened. Uh, you know, there wasn't a good kosher caterer in town, and so. I Started cooking cool food that was also kosher, mm-hmm. so you know, Passovers and holidays and this and that, and um, yeah, man.
0: So, I'm just curious, uh, how did your mother play a role at this? Because she did catering, right? Were you leaning on her? Were you asking her for advice? Or were you kind yeah, of so- a little bit, a little bit. No, at that okay. point,
1: I was uh, a little more rebellious. I'm still rebellious, okay. but you know, I was trying <laughs> to figure things on my own, and I hear uh, you. and so. Uh,
0: 2008 was it When you opened Your first place
1: Did I see that So right? I came back From Italy I uh, I worked I opened a place A really cool um, Kind of general store Slash restaurant here Called Winslow's Home What year is this This is 2007
0: 2007 Okay Before we get into that I want to make sure Are there any other Key mentors you had Any other Did you You, went, you worked at some Restaurants before Opening your own place yeah, right? yeah So maybe we should Get into that Like who really Formed you And set you up For success Actually a
1: person I never worked for To this day She's one of the Biggest influences on me—it's uh, the great restaurant tour, St. Louis restaurant tour. Zoe Robinson. Okay. She owns a trifecta of restaurants um, in St. Louis, uh, all award-winning, and her um, style is very, very influential on me. Uh, her hospitality, the attention to details, the look of her restaurants—it's um, just incredible what she's been able to do as as, as a female. Uh, entrepreneur restaurateur for 30 years, uh, she continues to influence me in everything I do. I, I don't I don't really move without calling her and asking for her so opinion.
0: Was that the next step you took after the catering? Did you go work for this restaurant? No,
1: too? no, I worked for I work I did stints in like you know I I there was a restaurant here um, in like a Chinese restaurant like a not what was it called not pan Asian uh, what was the the word nobody wants to use these days Asian fusion okay <laughs> right just. to, Try it out. Um, no, but really uh, my big my big uh, thing was opening this, this Winslow's home.
0: So what did you learn from Zoe? I want to see, because she was probably a key mentor, right? What did she teach you about this business? How did this experience? Finesse. Finesse. One word, finesse. What does finesse look like?
1: Finesse looks like that everything is intentional and everything has a place and uh, it has grace when you talk with people um her restaurants are just beautiful and yeah. they really transport you um yeah she taught me all that
0: like when i think of the word finesse i think like little effort right because it's almost like you do it so well so often so intentionally so rep- over and over again, you get to the point where it's almost like muscle memory, right? And, and that's, i think—that's a byproduct of organization, having everything in place, knowing right. where things are. Except
1: that when you say that, it reminds me of like uh, Zen masters, right? They do one thing and do one thing well, and becomes like second nature to them. But this is this is not it. This is when I talk about her finesse and what I'm trying to achieve. Uh, there's kind of um, there's a kind of baroque thing going on. It's a lot it's a lot it's flowers and it's linens and it's artwork and it's appointments like uh, the glassware and the dishes and the forks and uh, and the matches and the postcards and and the lighting fixtures and everything you know um so this- uh, what what the what the servers wear what they don't wear um it's about you know you know, uh, manicuring their nails, and 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 about you know hiring uh, someone to teach them how to walk a room, and it's 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 just it's obsessing over it's stage design. That's what it is. It's theater. It's stage design. You know, and that's what I, that's the key thing I took from her. What else did she teach you? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she if she heard this, she would be. Uh, she, would, she, would, <laughs> she 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 claims that I'm I'm her teacher which is funny how that, <laughs> how that goes, right? Um, I mean, uh, I think, I think, I think what, I, what I said earlier. That's good, that's, man, uh, that's good. I'll take that,
0: that's a great lesson. So when did you
1: know you were ready to open your own place? I mean,
0: you, you did some personal cooking, you're a personal chef, you are catering, you worked in a couple of restaurants, you're like, I'm gonna open my own place. How old were
1: you? Well, here's the thing, I came back from Italy and I met this guy who also attended the same philosophy program that I did and we decided to open a little uh, salami shop. Okay, handmade salami. Have, the first time I've had salami was in Parma, in Italy, where I lived as a Jewish boy from Israel. We don't really get to have a whole lot of pork, and all of a sudden I have prosciutto, and I'm I'm like, what What is that? Like, a pork and salt, and and you get this product that's just ethereal, right? Mm. And um, so I come back and you know and discover that there's incredible pork, some of the best pork in in the world. Is grown here in Missouri, and this guy is talking to me about it. And we um, have a little kitchen, and he's the artisan. He makes the salami. I make everything else around it. And we go so to- you f- say he? Is this your business partner? or the- Yeah, he's okay, a business gotcha. partner, yeah. Uh, his name is Mark. Uh, and uh, we go to farmer's market and uh, take a small loan from my father-in-law and uh, open up a little deli. And uh, first we we're just, you know, it was just- Making the salami and then we're making sandwiches and stuff like that. And at that point, I'm like, I gotta open a restaurant. I mean, I have it. That's what I want to do. I know how to cook. I feel confident in my cooking. Uh, I, I there's things I want to do. And you know, we've spoken now for about half an hour, forty five minutes. I don't know how long. It
0: goes fast. We're at uh, just about a half hour. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, and one thing we haven't even mentioned at all is is the location of my restaurant and where I chose to open it. We're still talking about the uh, salami, right? Uh, Yeah. Keep going, sorry. So, well, I'm at the salami shop, and I'm like, I want to open a restaurant, and uh, I'm going to do it. And I'm not just going to do it anywhere. I want to do it in the city. I want to do it in a place that I think uh, deserves a little bit of life. And so uh, I opened Olio. Okay. Right here. So salami...
0: uh Badoo is that that was the name of the, of yeah. the deli right yeah. this is this still going today
1: yeah i'm no longer part of it okay um but they're just manufacturing salami wholesale they, they don't have a, a shop uh, where they sell the salami so
0: were you a part of it when you opened your your first restaurant elia
1: i was a part of it yeah
0: okay um what i'm just curious like what was going on where you decided to leave that focus on uh, your own project yeah
1: yeah I, I i felt it was really unfair uh to spend all my time at the restaurant and none of my time at the...
0: That's fair. And I don't think a lot of people would do that. Yeah. Um, so what was going on? What was that internal dialogue like? Well, how did you... I mean, somebody who's listening to this right my, right now might be you know, thinking about starting a, a different partnership or, or starting another project while they're committed to somebody else.
1: Right. Um, I will tell you this and I, I don't think I've ever said it publicly and maybe that's a good time because it's been years now. Uh, I handed, literally handed my... 50% ownership of that business to my partner. I didn't get a dime from it in return. So, I just said,
0: "Why was that the right call for you?"
1: I call it cosmic karma. Call it like, "Hey man, you know, I've put my time in, I did it, I have my own thing. Um, here you go, man. Just it's your it's your show. He was the artist in anyways. He was the one that got his hand, you know. Uh, I worked my ass off for it, but uh You know, at that point, it was his show. There's a lot of dignity
0: there. There's a lot of integrity there. I hope so. You know, I I think so, because honestly, like, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be walking away from a project, right, you made a commitment to that person, uh, and you had a new passion, a new direction, right? Right. And you're walking away from it. So I think that is a, a great thing to do. Like, that's, you know you're leaving this person alone. Like I'm sure you had your own lanes and he had his lanes. Right. So I think that's the fair thing to do. Um, I think
1: that now that I'm, I'm in business for a while, I can tell, (laughs) I can tell you something that that's one of my, you know, we talk about what lessons can you teach your, uh, um, you know, it's a long, it's a long game and like, don't make decisions that just benefit you right here and then. Like think about the future. Yes. And, um, that episode in my life, you know, opening that rest, opening that business, running it, uh, taking it to where to where I took it, uh, that was an incredible experience, you know? And for me, that was worth all of it. Um sure, like some some person would say, Well, you should have negotiated a harder deal and you should walk out of it with something. I mean after all, it's worth something. But you know what? I did. I got I got the great deal out of it. There's so many
0: lessons right here. Uh, I think we are, in this culture, Jared and I were talking about this on the ride over here today about how we're so focused on money. Like Everything's all about the money and how much money we can make. But there are so many assets in life, so right. many assets that are so much more valuable than money. Like you're pointing out, knowledge, like relationships, like reputation, and all these things. Money can get burnt overnight. Money can go out the window instantly. Right. Reputation, education, relationships, that's for life. That You can recover from almost anything when you have those things. So don't be so short-sighted. Don't look at what's the immediate effect of like, how can I be good, better off right now in this moment because of the money I have? How can I set up myself long-term with having a good reputation, having ma-
1: maintaining these relationships yeah. doing right by others? Right? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I didn't make a million mistakes we'll get into uh, those (laughs) (laughs) that are money related right like things that i you know um but I, hopefully, you know, you get better by the day as opposed to uh, and learning from those mistakes.
0: Yeah, awesome. So. This is a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back and we'll start talking about how you pivoted and started focusing on starting this restaurant group. Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake users. University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager in Google Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google Search or Google Maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25%. To learn more about how Cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for Cake Point of Sale. But you have to use my links. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. All right, so we're back, and um we just are about to get into you uh forming your restaurant group uh so take it from there uh now you, you know you have this new focus you you're walking away from uh, the partnership with uh, your friend the Slummy uh market I don't know what would you call it uh was it a restaurant or is it like a like a deli? a deli okay, cool. so take it from there
1: cool so um discovered this incredible building. it wasn't incredible when I saw it. But um, I walked it, I toured it with the uh, architect developer um, in this dilapidating, blighted corner of St. Louis on the corner of McCree and Targrove Avenues. Um, And he's pointing out to the um, art deco qualities of this building that used to be a filling station. And he's telling me that he's developing all these houses and uh, that he needs a small little anchor and uh, a restaurant would be great. And uh, I immediately fell in love with this building. I don't don't ask me why. It was just a, a a gut feeling, for that matter. And it was so unusual. And it was unusual, like like I thought I should be doing. I didn't want to open a storefront for my first restaurant. Uh, I wanted to hit hard. I wanted to hit the scene hard. I wanted to be a name. I wanted. I was ambitious. I wanted to make noise, and I'm like, I'm not going to go into some corner store, front, something conventional. I got to do something super unconventional, and this building, uh, you know, fit my idea. Uh, but there was more to it. You know, I, I started learning about the history of this neighborhood uh, and how hard uh, it was hit uh, because of a lot of reasons, Uh one thing we haven't even discussed is I'm very, very politically motivated, um, and a lot of that plays a role in, in how I do things and how I, you know. Uh, but I thought this neighbor deserves deserves a chance, um, and uh, and that's when like I, I told myself, "Hey Ben, you're you're more than just opening a restaurant. You're doing something greater." It, and when I say that, when I said that back in the day, I sound a little arrogant and a little, a little out of my, you know, like something I, you know, a little bit of a Napoleon syndrome. Like, I'm doing these great things for this community. I am, but, but I didn't mean it in that, in that regard. I meant it. I really, really meant it. I said, hey, I'm opening a restaurant in, in a place that nobody would. And I'm going to try to employ a lot of people from this neighborhood. And I'm going to try to in my own little way, revived this neighborhood. And I and I was fully committed to this, uh, so committed that I knew very early on and, I, and, and 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 now I know that that's one of the real entrepreneurial aspects uh, of, of what I'd done was I said, density of business is key to what I'm doing. So I'm not just going to open one restaurant. I'm going to open one, two, three, four. And I did. I opened four businesses in 18 months in the same corner, giving people... More than one reason to show up. Like you want to show up for a, fun, you know, for a nice little lunch at a Mediterranean restaurant? Boom. You want to have a little glass of wine at nighttime? Boom. You want to have a little coffee and croissant at my patisserie? Boom. Uh, but also, do you want to have the most expensive meal in St. Louis? one of the most um, impressive wine lists. Uh, you could do that too. Boom. And that was, yeah, and that was um that was really ambitious, I gotta tell you, that was ambitious. So I had nobody, very few people uh that people believed in me mm. uh, but believed that this could become what it has become. The people that really, really believed in me are now my business partners. those are the couple that came into my salami shop, and when I told them about it, they said. You drive it. We'll be there. We'll be there to support you. How far was the salami shop from where we are today? About 10 minutes.
0: So it's, it's pretty much in the same community. No, no, know. it's not.
1: St. Louis is very, it's like a fifth dump. <laughs> I'm there's from all New these...
0: Hampshire, so 10 minutes is like next door. For yeah, <laughs> no.
1: It, there's all these little neighborhoods, gotcha. little blocks, little municipalities. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I could go on and on the business side of things. I, I really was thinking about it from a business perspective, even though it sounded at the time that I was just a hu- uh, hungry cook wanting to open his own restaurant and I got a great deal doing so. Uh, but it, I I really, really looked at it. I knew the proximity of the highway. There was- What was
0: the perspective? What
1: was going through your mind? Why, why was this so- It intriguing? was all working in my mind. I had this puzzle that was, it was working. I saw it. I saw what the neighborhood was going to become. I really did. So what was the Honest economic to God? state I mean, of it,
0: the neighborhood before you got here? As you're moving
1: in, where was the economic state of this community? Uh, I, I mean, this neighborhood didn't exist. I mean, it existed, but, I mean, there was drug dealing going on. By any statistics, between 1970s and 2000, this was one of the most crime-ridden blocks in the United States of America. Um, I'm not taking credit for myself. I'm just saying that I was part of a greater movement to do urban renewal in this neighborhood And we were so committed to this that, you know, recently we just bought this building that we're in where we opened a small little market and coffee shop um, and moved our offices to um, because I heard that someone was interested in buying this building and opening an urgent care or opening like a uh, HR block here. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, we can't let the quaintness of the neighborhood um, go. So we we went out of our way and, and, you know, probably overpaid for what you know for the building and but we're glad we did so but there's
0: not enough people who care and who are willing to stand up and be an advocate for the community and defend the community and keep the community a community right and i think the big thing i'm pulling from you is that it's not enough just to open a restaurant in a community you need to open a restaurant or a business for that matter as part of the community interwoven into the community Mm -hmm. and with like with not uh, like as a part of you know like yeah
1: and you know and, and early on I've been accused of being you know a, a force of gentrification because I did open a very very expensive restaurant that probably people from the community couldn't afford to go to uh, in Elia
0: but you know I can also argue that there's a lot of parts in the country that um, like that we've gotten so far away from what culture is I think mean, I'm not really proud of what America or what American culture became for a certain period, right? Mm. Really got really really far away from uh, craftsmanship, right? And just right. going to the corner and buying some cheap stuff. Like you need right. to inject culture back into communities. Right.
1: So I mean, there's a there's a little bit of a give and take there. Would you agree? hundred uh, percent. And, and my my thing was hey I'm not just opening one restaurant here if i had to if I had done that uh those uh i guess characterization or accusations maybe maybe were legitimate, but I was opening several businesses with several different at several different price points. i'm gonna give you a a, a quick statistics eighty five to ninety percent of the people who work for me, okay live within a three mile radius from the restaurant. That's awesome. So whether they lived here before, whether they moved here so they can be close to work, that means that they are now interested in the neighborhood themselves because they live here. Yeah. Um and that's that's a huge that's a huge thing, you know? Uh I'll never forget that four months into opening the restaurant and nobody could tell what the restaurant was gonna be, right? Um whether it's going to be successful or not, I mean, it's still the kind of. But I'll never forget that it was a Saturday night, and I was looking at my at at this parking lot right there, and um, I saw a half a million dollar worth of cars in my parking lot. In McCree Town, and I said to myself that in and of itself is an accomplishment because these people would have never, never, showed up here unless there was something here for them I love it to come to and so that was that alone told me we're onto something you know and um, so community involvement not the everyday community involvement I don't go to the community things I don't but just being here and yeah. just providing work and just you know doing cool stuff and employing a you know a gardener full time to beautify we don't have to do that but it's it's helping ourselves by helping the community by helping the community by helping ourselves it's this beautiful yeah. cycle you know? you know this
0: is this uh, this thought the school of thought and I think we are hardwired as humans when we think of growth uh, or at least as you know Western school of thought growth is outward growth is bigger. Uh, faster more money uh, that's growth but growth real true growth comes when you go deep right when you put that don't you don't put that that energy into the limbs to go out you put that energy into your roots to make your roots your community the foundation stronger that your people stronger and when you build everything up you know deeper in and around you like that re, that results in lateral growth that's the that's the outcome of doing the little things right and putting the energy into taking care of the people right immediately in
1: your community not
0: Two that's profound. Now. I never,
1: th- I never thought of it in the, in, in, in the, right? in that and, way. But
0: that's what I'm picking up from you. It's almost like the Zingerman's effect, right? We have Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, and right. they chose to, you know, instead of doing uh, Zingerman's delicatessen all over the place in every, you know, city in the country, they said, well, "Why don't we just do a Zingerman's Roadhouse, a Zingerman's Coffeehouse, and let's just make this block, this corner, the best corner in America?" And look where they are today. I mean, I think right. they're doing like 25 million between right. their restaurants and right. all the other businesses by investing in the people immediately, like on their block. It's so powerful it's the hard way and that's it's what absolutely we've done the hard that's way, really it's really what the we've way. done
1: yeah I, I mean we have a restaurant uh that's that's not far away from here um another restaurant but six out of our seven businesses are within our you know are right here in that corner um yeah, I, I, I So, let's get into the detail. How did you pull it off? What did you start doing in your
0: business from day one? I mean, what were your biggest challenges on day one? Like
1: I think well, the biggest challenges are everybody's challenges. Cash flow, uh turnover, uh satisfaction, uh labor costs. The <laughs> your your typical restaurant business problems. I think what I had done um early on was to Sell, sell is the wrong word, but maybe sell. Okay, let's use that word. My vision for my restaurant group and for my neighborhood to the key people that worked for me, right? I They believed that they were great, that that we're on to something great and special. And they were so committed. And I had a, 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 a my original opening team was incredible. They're still incredible. The team I have today is still incredible. But the opening team was a really, really special, gifted group of individuals. Um, How did you find these people? they from just from around, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, they you know. And and many of them went on to do some great things on their own, um, great accomplishments. And um, and I think that was a foundation that we are special. And there's nothing. Cocky or arrogant to say that we are doing something special, um, you know. I, it's like it, I, I treat the restaurants like like they're my children. Like I have daddy daddy goggles on, right? Sure. I mean, I think that my restaurants are great, yeah. <laughs> uh, and when they're not, I close them, and I have done so. And I I was. I was in tears, and I, and I and I lost money, and I lost reputation, and I lost. I want to all- get
0: into that because I think we can learn a lot from the the, the closings, things we did like not necessarily wrong, because we learn things through the, through those experiences. It's not the end of the world. Um, but what I'm pulling from you, what made uh, you a success early was that that originally that original opening team. Uh, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. So how did you attract? Onto yourself, these people. What were you doing? You, you said the word "sell." You had to sell the vision. You had to sell the, the the values of what you were trying to do. And a little caveat there: to sell is human. By the way, like that word has a lot of negative energy. Around yeah, it, yeah, that's right. We all sell. It's we yeah. we are selling our opinions, our beliefs to right. everybody every day. We that we all do it, so it's not that bad of a thing to say. Uh, but what, how are you selling it? How did you get these people on your team? How did you surround yourself with this greatness?
1: Well, I think um, personal example was important. I think they they. Watched me work and watched the food I was putting out because I was in the kitchen at that point, right? Uh, watched my determination, my passion. Right? My passion. Uh, man, I, I'm a crazy bastard. I mean, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I was crazy. I, I still am, but I was really, really. Give me really, an example
0: of what made you so crazy.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's just this, this, this obsessiveness about little details, and when things weren't done right, I would explode and. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm tame and I'm and I'm and I'm confident in 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 what I'm doing right now. I was very insecure, right? And I was afraid. This was my first restaurant. Everything was on the line for me. And my I was, you know, underslept. I had a I had a newborn baby. Uh, I was never home. Uh, so the con- I'm just giving you the context, right? But I was, you know, a Nazi when it came to like little details. Don't fuck up the details, yeah. like thumbprints on a plate and an herb put in the wrong place and um, you know I have these little things in in at Elia where I want people to uh, you know you uh, know black napkin if somebody's wearing a uh, if a, if a, someone's wearing a black suit or a woman's black wearing a black dress or little things for their purses and if my servers wouldn't give it to them I would explode like what it's but not that shows that you but let me care just you, you know? yeah I cared I really did it came from care it didn't come from just you know, but I will tell you something. Um what right now what the biggest lesson I learned and I, I now it now it is my new it's, it's my new gospel, right? Is we are just cooking for people. We're not saving humanity. Nothing that what we do is really that profound, like a surgeon or like a soldier or like a firefighter. We are not that profound, and that's my new gospel. And I'm telling my guys, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. unless but, somebody has
0: a peanut allergy in your restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: That's true. Yeah. But you know, but that's my new thing. Like it's okay. We, but I, not to the point of like, don't care. Don't try. Aim, aim, aim. But if 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 we. Make a mistake because we made a mistake. It's okay. I yeah. mean, but I think the big thing. I'm, for yeah, people. the big thing I'm pulling from you and what how you're
0: able to attract onto yourself these people and retain these people is that, that you know not too long ago I posted this this uh, video on Instagram asking people what passion means to them. Like what is passion? Passion is a really weird word. I think a lot of people just throw it out there like, oh, it's passion, but what the hell is passion, right? And you look it up and what passion is and the definition of passion at least is a, a barely controllable, um, emotion, right? Barely controllable emotion. Uh, and when I think of passion, um, when you think of emotion, emotions are contagious, emotions are you know, when you're enthusiastic about something and I think enthusiasm is an emotion, right? And when you're enthusiastic about something and when you're passionate about something and you care about something, those are emotions and emotions are like transferable. Whatever I feel, whoever's are immediately around me. And if I'm the most like energized person, I'm going to lift everybody up to that energy. I'm going to, I'm going to, Transfer these emotions of passion and caring and enthusiasm to right. everybody around me. So it has to start from you, and that's yeah, kind yeah, of I, what I could see that. Up. I yeah. could
1: see that. I will tell you that I'm not a big fan of the word passion. Neither am uh, I. That's why I made the video. Like what? Like what the hell is passion? Well, I, because I'm 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 very being uh, of uh, a, a different, you know, speak. This English is my second language. Um, passion, and I know etymologically is related to passive. You know and there is an element of passiveness about passion uh you hit it you hit it on the head it's uncontrollable and i like the word enthusiasm and charisma and intentionality and so i'm a, an excitement and so i think those capture what what i have um as opposed to passion right uh and i, and I don't know why i always yeah. i, I was had had, a, had an issue with that word but um but the reason
0: why this was word enthusiasm came into the forefront of my mind is because I recently interviewed Johnny Caraba, um, Carabba's Italian grill. Yeah, and yeah. he said, you know, do everything with enthusiasm. Yeah. And to me, that's that word. Enthusiasm should be, right. should replace yeah. passion because it's that energy that, that yeah. of caring and like that. When you're enthusiastic, it shows it, 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 it you know, bursts out of you. Right. And right. everybody that's around you is affected by that enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on, uh, when did you know it was time to go? Anything that's worth talking about this this first restaurant that you opened? I'm, I'm a little confused. Was it Olio? Because they're right next to each other. First they opened at the same it, time, it, uh, same exact time, same exact okay, time.
1: Okay, well that, and they're related. They share a kitchen in a way. They they're very related.
0: Okay, got you. That's another thing that I mean we already talked about. Like all these restaurants are within how many miles? There are two that are or, I'm a mile, four, the yards, four, yards away. The, the original. We have a couple that are a little bit further, right? Or one or two. O- only
1: one. One. Okay. So they're all here. Olio's there. Behind it is Elia. Yeah. Across the street from it is La Petit Street Chiquette. Across the street from La Petit Street Chiquette is Nixta Bar Limon. And across the street from that is where we're sitting AO and Co.
0: Okay, beautiful. So we'll try to get some photos of all these places for the, the B roll. You heard that, Jared? He's back there. Yeah. <laughs> so um I think that's a lesson in itself that the the impact of opening restaurants in close proximity is you can you can't be in a million different places at once unless they're all right. In yeah. one place, right? And I've learned that lesson.
1: Yeah. So a few years ago, uh, I felt more than unstoppable. I felt invincible, <laughs> and um, you know, and the phone starts ringing. You know, hey, come to a restaurant in my development here. Why don't you come to LA? Come to New York? Come to Denver? Come to Austin? Come to Miami? Uh, come to the suburbs? Come yep. to this? Come to there? Replicate this. We'll give you money. Well, wow, I felt good, and. Uh, <laughs> and uh there was this building in Clayton Clayton is this um uh business center of St. Louis it's one of the most affluent communities in St. Louis um it's over all, all the lawyers have their offices and all the you know it's a business it's the county seat and there was this um nice apartment building this luxury apartment building that had a super cool lobby on the second floor that was overlooking a park and it was beautiful man and uh, it had a curse. And everybody told me, hey, Ben, this building has a curse. All the restaurants that opened, they're closed within two years. And I'm like, fuck that. I can do that. <laughs> I've done fucking all of you right here yeah. in McCree town. <laughs> and I hired this great architect and negotiated an incredible deal. And collectively, uh, this restaurant was like, a million, over a million dollar. Wow. And I was so obsessive about what I picked for there.
0: Was this Parigi? Par- par- uh, Parigi. Parigi, thank you. Yeah. Okay, keep going, sorry.
1: And brought in one earlier mentor of mine, uh, a, a chef by the name of Ramon Cuffey, who, uh who is an African-American, incredible story, uh, and brought him to chef at my restaurant, hired a manager who was a, uh, F&B director at some fancy hotel in Chicago brought her down um, really really thought that this was my breakthrough this is where I'm making money this is where I'm like tripling and quadrupling my net worth this is where my restaurant is gonna be this famous uh, and built it to look like it was on the Italian Riviera because it was all a <laughs> yeah. temple to Marcello Mastroianni hired this artist to do these murals like the Sistine Chapel on on, on the ceiling Um with pictures of Marcello and, like, fashion and art. And the, pla- the place was gorgeous, in my opinion. Uh, opened up on a on a good note. We're really busy. And then just died. What happened? I don't know. A million things happened. Uh, but I can't really point at one thing in specific. I mean, I could tell you that the parking was kind of an issue. So knowing what you know now, if you could, like, point at two or three or maybe even four things,
0: knowing what you know now that probably – wasn't helping the situation? What were those? So we can r-
1: avoid these situations in our own life. I, I actually have a, a really big lesson. The lesson is identity. Um, I think that restaurants and retail shops and anything you do should have an identity. And the identity could change, just like a person, right? You start off as something, but you it evolve it, it evolves and it grows. But if you don't have an identity, if your customers don't really quite understand what they're walking into, That's a problem. And Parigi was built like a temple, like a modern temple. It was not like, you know, ostentatious, but it was built like a temple. And I think people felt really uncomfortable there, even though I wanted to be like classic. I didn't want to, I told my chef, I don't want anything inventive. I just want a classic, classic, classic. I want a piece of roast chicken. I want a steak. I want mashed potatoes. I want like simple pastas. I don't want to invent anything. I I want it to be a tribute to, Classics, and I think that was part of it. Like, what? And why are you calling an Italian restaurant Paris? People ask me, like, what? what, What's that? It just lacked identity. People didn't quite know what to do there. And then I said, I wanted breakfast, and I want lunch and I want you know the restaurant a, didn't really know what it was it didn't really know what it was and I didn't spend as much time there as I, as I should have been and I think you know, you know like attracts like right and if
0: you don't know who you are how are you going to how are you going how are other people going to be able to identify with that restaurant right. like, where this restaurant is who I am and I think I, I,
1: I panicked like six months in where I wasn't hitting numbers and I start changing stuff and you really so should stay now the now you don't course have consistency. now you don't have consistency you really should stay the course and give um And give it time. Give time to. How much time
0: did the life of this restaurant go? Three years. Three years. Which is a long time. Yeah. So, how long did it take for you to say maybe this is like. When did you really start to.
1: I started questioning it six months in, to be honest with you. Uh, Although I I still believed in it and we've made changes and we saw some spikes in sales and we saw. And, you know, we had a team there that really sacrificed, uh, you know, took pay cuts and stuff like that, which is always hard. Um, You know, then fortunately, I mean, the unfortunate thing for us is that we're still, we're going to pay for it for, for a long time. And this you know? is close
0: in 2018? Yeah. So you opened in 2015, 2018. Um, is this building still in your family of restaurants? Have you it, redefined no, it? No, no,
1: no. We we, we uh, were able to, uh, to walk away from it and walk okay. away from our lease.
0: So, um, I mean, I think you kind of identified the the big lesson there is identity. Parking was another thing. Any other lessons parking? now
1: really. I mean, identity really is the biggest thing, and staying the course and being making sure that it's consistent.
0: So, how did you recover from that?
1: <sighs> Man,
0: like emotionally. You know, I mean, we're we're still talking like you're paying off the debts from that. I tell concern. you how emotionally
1: how- I recovered from it. I opened another restaurant, okay. which is crazy. My wife wasn't very happy with that, but I said, "Hey, I gotta create," and the only thing I know right now how to create is another good restaurant. And this time, I'm gonna make a restaurant that's not shticky. I'm gonna make a restaurant that's that's very very personal. And I created the benevolent king, uh, and it existed about three or four months before we closed Parigi. And like I'm walking in, I'm gonna cook, and I'm gonna create a restaurant based on our home. And she goes, "What do you mean by that?" I'm like, "The food I know the best is my mom's food, which is North African." Not to not to say that I'm gonna cook identically what she's cooked. But I'm gonna just be inspired by those flavors. Mm. We gave it a, a funny name, the Benevolent King. There's a really, really great story. Um, you know, it's it's named after the Moroccan uh, king during during World War II, who is known in the Jewish community as the Benevolent King because he refused to uh, have the Jewish community uh, wear a yellow patch uh, as directed by the uh, by the French uh, Vichy government. Uh, he stood and apparently saved. Um, saved many, many, many Jews. And so he was known as the benevolent king. Uh his grandson, who's the current king of Morocco, is kind of like a funny, uh funny character. So the whole thing worked. This is a small twenty eight seat restaurant with a kitchen that's smaller than most people's apartment kitchens. Like it's tiny. And I just started cooking the food I wanted to cook and I and I we did it on a budget and we we, we I pulled in like like you said, went inside I'm like Let's just make this fun and easy and simple and delicious. And uh, and really, that that really helped me. I mean, it helped me because it was well-received when we opened that. Still going on, going strong. Um, and uh, I'm very proud of the yeah. food. I'm very proud of what we created there.
0: So the, the question was, how did you move on? It sounds like just... Moving on, you know, just like you know, and don't. I think people take closures or failures, quote unquote failures, personally as a reflection of them and their ability, right? And and the thing is, like, even the most successful restaurant tours, I think even Danny Myers closed at least two restaurants, right? More, yeah, more, right? So I think the the big lesson is to know, you know, you take a swing, right? um You're gonna miss, and I think when you miss, I think it's sometimes you got to say, maybe I should, you know. Maybe this is a bad analogy, but I think the point I'm trying to make is if you don't hit it out of the park, you know, it's going to be okay. Uh, Move on and know when to maybe play a different sport if you keep on missing. So I actually (laughs) actually
1: reflected on a lot and, and recently a friend closed a restaurant and really took it hard and I think. There are business failures, and you should not be a, you know. And he was listening to all this self help bullshit and, oh, it was not a failure, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, yes, it was a failure. It wasn't a personal failure, it was a business failure. Some businesses fail because of personal dumb mistakes. If you go, you know, if you get drunk and if you don't control your costs, and if you, but there are honest business mistakes. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. You just, didn't hit it you missed you yeah. missed yeah, yeah and that's fine. and so you want to learn what the business mistakes were you want to learn if you had any personal mistake that contributed to the business mistake and it's fine but define it as what it is don't try to f- wash it with something yeah. else I oh. think some people get good at failing too and they recognize and
0: because they, they failed before and like i've been here okay. like and i'm not gonna ride this out for two more so years So
1: check this out so <laughs> danny meyer is from st louis yeah and i've had the privilege of meeting him you know a couple of times and actually had the. One time I had a quick quick conversation with him and he told me something amazing about failure and about hospitality. And he said that, you know, when you fail as a restaurant, you really are given the opportunity to show your human side. And he said that, At his restaurants, they got so good at correcting mistakes, correcting failures, that sometimes they're tempted to make mistakes on purpose. Because he said, you know, take Gramercy Tavern. You know, if somebody like, you know, if a server dropped a glass of wine on on somebody's, he said, man, we go out of our way, dry cleaning, gift cards. Just like we are just... he calls it, it writing the end of the story, right? What's it, that? You can always write the end of the story. Yeah, that he goes, we've got, got so good at correcting mistakes and making the people that we offended our biggest fans yeah. just because, just, you, you know, Show them what you care. So exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's,
0: I, that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I love it, man. Um, so one other thing you mentioned, actually, when we walked in here, and you said uh, one thing you're learning how to do now or you're in the process of doing is or you've done um, is removing yourself from the business. Um, you wanted to talk about that. So, what does that well, look
1: like? I, yeah. Well, I thought that where we're sitting, uh, your listeners, you know, maybe you can take a picture and put it and <laughs> post it up. But we're sitting in my new office, which it overlooks Olio and Elia, and overlooks the corner, right? Uh, and I, I I sit here at night a lot of times during the day when I come in, and it really. Uh, just exemplified uh, something that restaurateurs should do mentally is really remove themselves from the restaurants um, because you get a different set of experiences, uh, a different set of observations. Where you're in it, uh, it's very, very easy to miss certain things. But when you're out of it, you you start noticing things that you may may have missed being in it. so I think that's a really, really important lesson. It's perspective, lesson. right? It's get, perspective. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's developing this critical eyes without being judgmental, right? So when you're in the restaurant and you're there every day, you're just judging everybody. Why are you looking like that? Why is my tables not clean? Why is this? And that's just, it's, it's, it's judgmental and as opposed to being critical and productive, you know? Um, so yeah, perspective, yeah, you're right. Got it. Anything we haven't discussed up to this point? We've been kind
0: of jumping around a lot, but we've gotten a lot of value from this conversation. Is there anything that's near and dear to your heart? Anything that you, you wish we brought to the table that hasn't been brought into the table yet? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Um, I mean, I, I try to ask all my guests. It's something I'm trying to be better about. The, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. So how have you transformed? Who are you today? versus the man you were in 2007 when you opened your first restaurant?
1: Um, Who am I today? Well, I'm 70 70 pounds heavier. (laughs) Um, I got to think about that for a second. I will tell you one thing in the meantime is that I think that it's super important for uh, restaurateurs to inject their hobbies and their personality and their personal interest into the restaurants. So for example, I'm a huge reader I'm a big um, you know, collector of antiques and art. And if you walk in my restaurant, you just see it. And mm-hmm. again, I go back to this idea of like, I'm inviting people into my living room. Uh, and oh. I want people to understand who I am and, and what I'm interested in. And so I think that it's super important for people to do. So knowing a kitschy salesman-y kind of way. Uh, Why is that so important? You, you mentioned the-, the Because the hospitality, the that's what we do. That's yeah. our business. You know, our business Intancy. is hospitality. Yeah and and like how how more hospitable can you be than when you receive guests at your own home yeah that's the mantra that's right there is what we do and we still fail at it i got to tell you i mean it's still hard you know it's we got to work at it uh even though it should be the most natural thing right it should be natural for us to open the door and say welcome to our home uh want a drink <laughs> <laughs> you know so what's the future look like for you? What's what's on the horizon? Oh man, I'm aggressive. I'm ambitious. I want to open more restaurants. I want to open more more businesses.
0: And how do you plan to do it differently? Or how how have you evolved from the past experiences? How do you want to evolve and continue to do what you do, but even better?
1: Um, I mean, I think that now I have I have some business acumen. I think that I understand uh, what kind of questions to ask, what kind of things to look at. Um, you know, you, you you've nailed it. Uh, concepts are only good if you have the right people to operate them. Mm-hmm. So right now, instead of looking for the next restaurants, um, I'm looking for the next person that mm. I could create a business or a concept around. Yes. I have a hundred million concepts, man. I have a bank of ideas for what I can do. You know, if I had a hundred million dollars, I'd probably open a million concepts. I have so many ideas. Uh, i'm relentless when it comes to that but that's not enough right uh they're not just gonna show up you really gotta and and what we're trying to do is look within who in our company is ambitious and an owner-like has owner-like tendencies and sensitivities sensibilities not sensitivities sensibilities to to run their own business and the, our idea is let's coalesce around that and, and 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 do our next concept based on the people that we have. Or if we meet somebody or so really uh, the concepts are there. We just need to plug in the right people. So and we're not going to open a new concept unless we have the right people to, to open it with.
0: Yeah have you ever taken the, the thought of okay we have this person, what's their idea of a concept? What do they want to yeah, do? Yeah a lot I'll, of times absolutely yeah. Yeah, I love it. Awesome stuff. So I'm gonna come back to that question, the transform question. You said you, aside from the seventy pounds, we've I mean I'm even fifty pounds every time <laughs> like I think starting this podcast. Uh, what is one thing that you've done, or how you've transformed, like who? How are you a better owner and operator today versus who you were then?
1: Uh, I think I'm a little more relaxed, mm. um, a lot more secure in what I do. Why is
0: that important?
1: Uh, it's just important in personal personal communication. I think that you know uh, when you when you're insecure and when you're fidgety and when you worry about other things, you're not focused and and your delivery, especially i have I have several um blocks right English is not my first language i there's a cultural block uh my wife is a deaf person, so there's also this kind so the way I communicate is much more blunt and direct because mm-hmm. like th- when you when you're dealing with a deaf person at home, you can't really have a lot of nuances, yeah, so I'm very blunt and very direct, and people can take it the wrong way, and people misconstrue what you say and what you demand from them, what you expect from them and so Having a, a little more of a of a relaxed uh, demeanor um, allows me to deliver things in a in a much more productive uh, and less offensive way. Yeah, maybe
0: makes you much more pleasant to be Much Exactly, yeah. you got it. You yeah. got
1: it. Yeah. Um, um, I really have taken the idea of not just cooking food but cooking up this neighborhood uh, to heart, and and I'm looking at our neighborhood and, and trying to figure out what other things we can do here to to continue to build it. Awesome. Um charitable work, uh not in the sense that I'm going, you know, uh to a soup kitchen every weekend, but really identifying things that are close to my heart and as a business person, how can I
0: live intentionally? Be what's the be, word? Uh finesse? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, you know, we're we're big proponents of the farmers market and and some art in, you know, uh the arts and art institutions. Uh, as an immigrant, you know, immigrants are a big part of what, what – so those are the things we, we have time not to think about, right? Yeah, and it's so uh, much
0: better to show up to anything with purpose and reason and not just going through the motions, but, like, there's a, there's a, a driving force behind exactly, this thought. Exactly, right? exactly. I love it. Awesome stuff, Ben. I've loved this conversation. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be back to bust out a quick speed round. these websites have them and it's because they're going to bento box to get the work done. And not only will bento box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but bento box websites come with hospitality focused tools that are proven to drive revenue, Online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most your restaurant. Bring your restaurant's hospitality online with Bento Box by signing up today at Get. Bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime Cost. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. All right, we are back and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success?
1: Man, you're killing me with this question.
0: (laughs) Uh, What is your biggest strength?
1: My biggest strength, uh, words. Words, I love
0: it. What is your biggest weakness? <laughs> words. <laughs> <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team and interviewing people? Uh,
1: what do you want to do? What do you want to be? What are you looking for? Aspiration. Mm.
0: What is what uh, one current challenge, your biggest challenge
1: today? Uh, work. What having, do you mean by that? Having to work. Having to physically get back in the kitchen and work. I mean, I'm running, a, I'm running an operation and, and, you know, being consumed with the everyday operation of a kitchen is, 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 my, is a challenge for me right now. I can imagine. Uh, share one code of
0: conduct or behavior you teach your team. A way to be, a way to act, a core value.
1: I think we've touched on a lot of those things before, but really do things with intention.
0: Uh, what is one book? And I know you're a big reader. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator?
1: As a better person or restaurant operator? Well, I have this book sitting right on my on my desk that I yeah. go back to. The biggest cynic of all times, La Rochefoucauld, was a French aphorist. Uh, biggest cynic of all times. I just going to do this for the camera. I'm just going to open anywhere, <laughs> okay, and just pick something up, okay? anything right yeah. right now weakness is the only fault that we are incapable of correcting one more it is easier to be wise for other people than for yourself Oh, man, I love this. And I know we're in the speed round right now,
0: but weakness is the only thing that we – say that one more time. Can you, can you paraphrase it better? Than it's basically we can't correct weakness is what the paraphrase, yeah, right? That's exactly right. I agree 100% with that. I think a lot of people try we to should make, embrace it. Or just know what your strengths are yeah. and, and surround yourself with people who are strong where you're weak. Yeah. Right? Because we're not meant to be alone. We're tribal animals. that's right we need
1: we're better as a
0: group so don't yeah. try to be strong where you're weak. it's okay to be weak accept it don't correct it yeah
1: and in our in, in our in our world I mean I think it's important to really identify what people's are strength and and play to their strengths yeah you know um,
0: I love it, man. great yeah. stuff. okay uh, what is one thing you feel your restaurant or sorry restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough I'll say that one more time what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough?
1: Uh, Often enough, I'll say, uh, I think there is a real um, lack of community outreach. I think people do it because it it suits their publicity, but really understanding that as a restaurant, we have a, a way and a place and a platform to reach a wider audience, and we should talk about current events and things that people took too scared. Oh, restaurants are apolitical or I'm, um, you the, know, the no. Boston tea
0: party started in like in a restaurant. That's right? exactly right. Sorry. I cut you
1: short. No, no, you're right. And so I think restaurants are too timid or too. Um, and they, a lot of, I, I hate to say this and I hate to, to, to kind of bash some of my, some of my uh, uh, co restaurant tours. Uh, a lot of people do it now because it's, because it's easy and it's just a publicity stunt. And uh, when you I say do it. Do you mean do like cause, you know publicity
0: or yeah, like say oh, waves. we
1: uh, donate our Tuesday okay. sales to this cause or that cause. And it's very hard to it's decipher. A marketing expense. It's a marketing experiment, yeah. and and I would I would suggest like in, in like in in life when people wear things on their sleeve, be cautious of what their intentions are. Yeah. Like if you do things under the current, that's great um and i 'm not saying i 'm not suggesting that people don 't do good things a lot of people do good great things, and there's like this no kid hungry and all this great 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 uh restaurant involvement but I just think that on the everyday stuff restaurant could be you know restaurant tours could be more involved in their community. Uh, and in issues that, that, that are important, yeah, like labor issues, like immigration issues. This is part of our industry. We should have a voice. And no matter what the voice is, we should say- At least have an opinion. Opinion, right? yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love
0: it. Okay, this is actually one more question, and then we'll bring the, the last question, but uh, what is one technology you've adopted within your four walls that has had a huge impact on your operations, communications, profitability, profitability efficiency, anything along those lines?
1: Technology, yeah. <laughs> Human resources, man. Not technology. Hiring a great operations manager. I love it. Uh, the, well, I'll, Human I'll resources, that. yeah. Are you using one person or is there a service? We, you're have, going a, to? we have a we have a director of operations who actually was a server in our restaurant. Nice. While he went to law school, and uh, and this is a great opportunity to give him a a quick a quick, uh, a quick uh, pat in the back. He's doing an incredible job. Uh, way better operator than I am. Uh, and uh, I love
0: that man, and that's something we didn't even talk about today. But you have so much potential on your team. You, this is a person that started as a server, went to law school. Yeah, you better. Yeah, he's got that, a law right? degree. <laughs> yeah, create opportunity and, for that person. Yeah, and
1: he was when he was looking for 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 a law job, I looked at him and said, "Dude, you love this so much. Why don't you just stick around and, and yeah, run it, right?" Uh, and is- yeah, we bought hands, and we see things very differently on occasion. But for the most part. Um, You know, human resources are the best technology. It's irreplaceable. And that's a tricky subject human resources and human rights within the industry and there's a lot
0: of uh areas where we you know cross lines as restaurateurs we're not even aware of it Uh, so to have that legal person to know how to protect yourself legally so you you don't make any mistakes and you're taking care of employee rights and all that stuff is so important uh it can it can close your restaurant if you're not paying attention to those things for sure awesome stuff so this is the last question it's a doozy are you ready for it i'm ready for it if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you and your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy that you tie to your legacy. What were those three pieces? Oh, be?
1: my good God. <laughs> um, okay, so I'd say the first thing is... Um, I think, uh, so my, my unwavering, uh, commitment to, to people, um, the idea that, uh, the idea that people, uh, are people before, are humans before they are. Be committed to people, not processes. Exactly. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for, for, for helping me out with this. Yeah. Being committed to people. Um, that's one. And, um, so okay, being committed to, to a place. That's two. Uh and by people, I, I wanna digress to this first yeah. point. By people I think that first and foremost is your is your immediate family, your children, uh your loved ones. Uh you know uh being committed to a place, being committed to people. And I think um you know uh, I want to say this Maybe I'm going to Maybe I'm going to call you later And say hey change that But <laughs> I want to say uh, uh, Creativity Okay I want people remember me As a creative uh, Visionary People that Be So Be committed to people Be committed to places
0: And be creative Yes Awesome I've loved this conversation Ben Thank you so much For taking the time To share your story Your knowledge Your mentorship We wrap up every chat By calling somebody out uh, One of my listeners uh, Chef Stephen Which I believe Stephen Wine who is yeah. Is now working with you yeah. is, is The reason why I were here He reached That's out That's right He called you out He said you gotta come Interview Ben uh, Who do you think I should talk to Who's one person You respect and admire A restaurateur You respect and admire In this industry Who, ble- who you think Would be a great guest Like you Ben for us
1: Alright so I'm gonna I'm gonna call call out uh there's a restaurant tour in uh richmond virginia in charleston south carolina his name is uh johnny javos he has an empire an empire of 15 restaurants and and markets uh his daughter uh stella worked for us uh he has a greek rest. you know his greek restaurants um he has been here a few times visited with me uh the man's got it, man. He He's just, he's just, he's so easygoing. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's so business savvy. Uh, he's just fun to hang yeah. out with.
0: I think uh, Jared and I have Charleston on the radar uh, for. He's this, in Richmond, this.
1: Virginia. He has a restaurant oh, in Charleston. Virginia. Okay.
0: Well, maybe uh, we can cross paths in Charleston.
1: He but, is cool. All right. Johnny,
0: look out. I'm coming after you and let the folks at home know how can we connect it through you? Uh, maybe we want to come join your team or we have a question about something you share with us today. What's the best way to connect?
1: With me? Yeah. Uh, email
0: you want to drop that on us yeah sure
1: uh, ben b-e-n at bengelina b-e-n g-e-l-i-n-a awesome I'll com. have that
0: in the show notes this is episode 647 <laughs> we'll have a summary of today's discussion as well as a link to any product tool or service you've mentioned uh, again Ben thank you so much well man. thank
1: you man I enjoyed it there Just is as much as <laughs> I'm gonna go I, I, I got I so much to think about today
0: <laughs> there is no questioning my friend you are unstoppable
1: that's cool.
0: All right. There is another one in the archive here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much to today's guest mentor for sharing your story, your knowledge, and your guidance. We are all better because of it. And ladies and gentlemen, I need to let you know that Jared and I are back on the road beginning September through November. We're going to be hitting up Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, pretty much anywhere and everywhere in between. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you know of a mentor that needs to be made an example of a restaurant tour doing it right, please put them on my radar hit me up eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, instagram twitter at eric cacciatore facebook slash restaurant unstoppable also we're looking for crash pads so if you have a spare bedroom or you have an airbnb that you want to let jared and i use to uh you know live this mission of transforming the industry we could use your support and thank you in advance you know how to get in touch with me again that's eric at restaurantunstoppable.com peace